when my daughters were two years old, they always thought they were stuck. I would put their shoes on and they would be like, dad, that's stuck, stuck. Um, I would put them in their car seats and they would be like, dad, that's stuck, stuck. And I'd be like, no, you're not stuck, you're trapped. But they hated that feeling of being stuck, right? And I think you and I hate that feeling too. And it's so easy in life to get stuck. And we're gonna talk about that this morning, some of the different things that some of you are stuck in. Some of you are stuck in the idea of what life was supposed to be like. Maybe by this point you thought you were going to be married and you don't understand why Susie got married. She's crazy. Why am I not married, right? Some of you guys are stuck in patterns of loneliness. You feel so alone today. You can be in a room full of people and you feel like no one gets you and no one understands you. Some of you are stuck in patterns of sadness. You, you wake up and you're sad. You go to work and you're sad. You come home and the sadness just feels like it's always over you, just stuck in Saturn, uh, sadness. Some of you guys are stuck in sin today. There is something that you have been trying to overcome in your life. You've been trying to get past this sin and you just can't get past it. Some of you are stuck in a memory, something that happened in your past and it feels like you can never escape that. So many of us are stuck in so many different things today. And when we get stuck, we get foolish. And I'm not saying that you are foolish, but sometimes when we're stuck, we make foolish decisions. I know for me in my life, I have made some of the worst decisions of my life when I am stuck because I am just reaching for anything. I just want to get out, and so I'll grab a hold of things I know that I should not grab a hold of anything to numb the pain. Some of you have been stuck for so long that you are now apathetic towards ever-changing. You just feel like life is going to be this way. It is never going to be better. You've been trying to beat these things. You've been trying to get out of what you're stuck in, right? You've been trying to delete that thing, but every once in a while, you add it back. You've been running from some things, but really quickly, you find yourself turning around and going right back to them. You've been trying to flush those things down the toilet, but then you go out and you buy some more. We get stuck so easily, and it feels so hopeless sometimes. And there are so many examples in Scripture that I could have went to this morning because we get stuck really easy as humans. And I was wrestling on where to go, you know. We could have went with um, the Israelites as they're trying to break free from Egypt, and they get stuck between Pharaoh and his chariots on one side and, and the Red Sea on the other side, and here they are stuck in this moment. Or I thought about Joseph who was stuck in a pit because his brothers had thrown him there. Or I was thinking about David who talked oftentimes about a slimy pit emotionally that he would get stuck in. There's so many different examples of people getting stuck in scripture because as people we get stuck really easily. And the text that I ended up on this morning, I, I wrestled with it because there were some reasons why I wanted to avoid it. But I know that it is what God wanted us to hear today. But I was thinking about it like this. A good spotter when you're bench pressing at the gym won't come and take that weight off you right away if you get stuck. If you're stuck, they'll, they'll let you struggle for a little bit because you can't grow. You cannot get stronger if there is no struggle. And so some of you are stuck today and you're wondering why God just hasn't pulled you up out of that just yet. Maybe he is trying to grow you. Maybe you've been stuck for a moment, 
so that you could grow deeper in your faith today. And a good spotter is there to make sure it doesn't crush you. And I promise that God is standing over you today, making sure that you aren't crushed yet. He's got that weight and he just wants you to grow. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5. This is what it says in verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Now, there is a crazy crowd around Jesus. There are people everywhere. When I was younger, I used to really like concerts. Now I hate concerts because there's people everywhere right? everywhere, right? You can't move around. Everyone's sweaty. And that's what I want you to picture, just, just people everywhere. Maybe you've been to the tree at Rockefeller Center and you know what those crazy crowds are like and, and you're just trying to push your way through. And that's exactly what Jairus is doing right here. He is desperate to get to Jesus and he is a profound synagogue leader. And here he is just trying to get everyone out of the way so he can talk to Jesus because he is so desperate. Dad's in the room. What would you do to get to Jesus if that was your daughter right there? I'm pushing everyone out of the way. I don't care if there's old ladies in front of me, right? I'm getting to Jesus. I'm doing whatever I can because I am desperate. And he gets to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, please, please do something for my little girl. And Jesus says, I will come with you to your house today. And how many of you know that you do things a little bit differently when you're desperate? You come to church a little bit different when you're desperate. You worship a little bit harder when you're desperate. You pray a little bit differently when you are desperate. And that is a picture of this man in the story. Let's go to the next verse. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. This woman was stuck in a pattern of sickness for 12 years. She tried everything. She went to doctor after doctor, and none of them could help her. In fact, all they did was make her suffering and pain worse. Some of you can relate to that today. You know what it's like to suffer and be stuck for a really long time. You know what it's like to try everything and nothing changes. You know what it's like to feel hopeless, that life will always be this way. This woman had gone through so much for so incredibly long. She was completely stuck. I'm going to give you a detail about this story a little bit early because Mark goes out of his way to tell us something very important. He says that this woman has suffered for 12 years. In just a little bit in the story, we're going to find out that Jairus's daughter is also 12 years old. So from the moment this woman started suffering, this girl was born. And on the surface, it feels like these two people are not connected at all. But to read this story in its full context, 
You can't just talk about one of them and not the other because they are fully connected. God is doing something here. And on the surface, it feels like, man, these people have nothing come. He is rich. He has influence. He has, he has power. He's a synagogue leader. He has money. And then on the other hand, the woman has nothing. She's, she's broken. She's alone. And she's sick. And she's hurting. But this number 12 appears. And sometimes in scripture, God gives us these little hints through biblical numerology, something for us to understand. And this number 12 is very significant in this story. The number 12 represents a lot. Jacob had 12 sons and they represent the 12 tribes of Israel. They represent God's power and authority over all things. At the age of 12, Jesus teaches in the temple as a young boy, and they marvel at his authority and power to teach God's word. They were blown away by what he did. Jesus chooses 12 disciples, and all of these things are a sign of God's great power and authority. And here in this story, we find out a little bit early. Yet, these people don't have much in common besides their desperation. God's power and his authority is over both of them. Very different places in life, but here his power and authority rest. If you are going to break free from what you are stuck in, you need to know that God has all a power and authority. You need to be aware of it on a deeper level than what you are right now. Your awareness of his authority will determine how much you receive from him. I want to say that again. Your awareness of his authority will determine how much you receive from him. I'll give you an example. The disciples are in the storm and it's getting really bad out at sea and Jesus is down there sleeping at full rest and, and they're going nuts because they think that they are going to drown. Jesus comes up and he tells the storm to be still. And you know what they said? Who is this man? that has all this authority, that the winds and the waves obey him. A deeper sense of his authority will bring great breakthrough in your life. Because if you are not aware of his authority, you will doubt the validity of his words. His promises may seem too good if you do not know all of his power and authority in your life. I hope this morning that you will get a greater sense of that is what it says in verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. And what you, have to, what you need to understand about this story is this woman didn't just have to fight through the crowd like Jairus did. She had to fight through so many more issues. First off, because she was bleeding, she was considered to be unclean. To, according to Jewish rule, if, if, if you were bleeding, you were unclean and you couldn't touch anyone else. If, if you touched anyone else, that person also became unclean. So it's very likely that she is completely isolated in her life because people would fear this rule. Probably isolated from her family, probably had no one that she could go to. Could you imagine the deep shame and guilt that this woman felt because of being unclean? all the mental barriers that she needed to pass to get to Jesus. The, the other issue here is this, is that she was a woman, and in this culture, you could not walk up to a synagogue leader and just talk to him like this. You couldn't just go up to him and, and tap his shoulder. She would have been disciplined. She would have been ostracized for doing something 
like that. She had so much that she needed to overcome in order to touch Jesus. I think probably the deepest thing was the shame that she felt deep in her heart for all that she had been through for those 12 years in her life. And that's some of you today. Some of you have so much shame in your heart and you've come up with so many reasons on why you deserve to be stuck, on why you deserve to be so miserable in life because I've done this and, and I've been here and, and I've said this or, or this happened to me. Man, I, I deserve the pit that I'm stuck in. I deserve the suffering. I, I'm, I'm so shameful. I can't go to Jesus because I am unclean because I don't deserve to be free. Today, I pray that you would see that those can no longer be excuses. I pray today that you would give up on all the reasons on why you can't be free and you would see this amazing picture that is hope for you and I this morning and how truly amazing Jesus is. She was so desperate to touch Jesus. Verse 28, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. I love this part of the story so much. This is, this is my favorite part of the story. This woman is so desperate and she has this amazing awareness of who Jesus is. She gets his power and authority. Let's go back to Jairus for a second. What does he say? He comes up to Jesus and he says, you know what, Jesus, you need to come to my house. Can you just come to my house and pray for my daughter and then she'll be okay. This woman, this woman says, I don't even need Jesus to look at me. He doesn't even need to pray. I just need to touch because I know that he holds all power and authority and I don't even need to touch him. Just, just the cloak that's hanging off his body will be my healing. She was so desperate, and she had an amazing sense of who Jesus was. It wasn't just her faith. It was her awareness of who he was. And instantly, when she touches his cloak, she is made well. She is freed from all of her suffering. I love how it says that she was freed from her suffering. Not, not just that she was healed from her blood condition. All of the suffering. Everything that she had felt for all those years, her suffering was over. She was freed from it. The shame that she had felt for so long, the loneliness and the issue of blood were all dealt in one moment. Jesus is the only one who can make the unclean clean. You know, normally Jesus would be unclean at this moment because of the woman who touched him. But instead, the opposite happens. This is the point of the story where I've lost some of you. And this is why I wrestled with this text. This is why I was trying to go in maybe some different directions. Because for some of you, your sticking point is unanswered prayer. Your sticking point is something that you've lost and you, and you were desperate. And you prayed powerfully that God would do something on your behalf. And the answer didn't come in it. And I don't know why sometimes the answer is no but I've been really thinking about something lately. In Acts chapter 12, we get this picture of the church, and they're going through a tragic heartbreak. They have just lost James, the brother of Jesus. 
he's killed. And, and they had prayed that he would be released from jail. They prayed that God would save him. And they believed that it would happen. But the word comes back to them that James is killed. And they're crushed by it. He meant so much to them. And then in this chapter, we find out that Peter is in the same exact situation. He's in jail, about to be murdered. And the church gets together again right after the loss of James and they come together and they pray anyway. And they believe that God will do something and Peter is set free. And so that tells me that even though sometimes the answer is no, we cannot lose our faith in God, that he is still good. And, and I know that your situation is so painful and in no way do I minimize it. And I don't know why, but here's what I do know is that one day Jesus will make all things right. All that pain and all the suffering in this life, he will make them all right. And every tear that you've given for everything that you've lost, it will be wiped away from your eye. But until then, until then, keep praying. And this is your sticking point. This is what you're stuck in. Then you need to pursue Jesus for what you're stuck in, just like the woman was, if that's what it is. Say, God, I need you to heal me from that unanswered thing, from that loss that I can't get back. God, you need to open my eyes. Show me, God, heal me. Don't stay stuck in that. He still loves you and he's still good. And I know it hurts. And one day he will make things right. So don't get stuck there if that's you. Let's go to verse 30. At once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. I love the disciples. They're like sarcastic. Like, Jesus, really? There's hundreds of people bumping into you. Who, are you going to ask who bumped into you seriously? But Jesus knew that this touch was different. Can I tell you something that scares me? Something that worries me a little bit? I'm at church all the time. Uh, Friday nights, Sundays, uh, I'm at work for church all the time. I'm worried that I would be someone who is around Jesus but doesn't experience his power. Because in this story, we see tons of people bump into him. So many people who probably had deep needs in their life, through some really difficult things, and they all bump into him and nothing happens. But this woman was different than all the rest. She was desperate and had a great sense of who he really was. And because of that, everything was changed for her. She was healed. Verse 33. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. How many of you know that when a woman tells you the whole truth that you're gonna be there for a little while, right? You're gonna get, you're gonna get all the details. You have to understand that she's probably terrified in this moment. This woman is probably so scared. She has just done things that she knows she shouldn't have done. She is unclean, and she's probably ready for Jesus to rebuke her. She's probably so scared that he's going to be upset with her for doing this, worried that she would be thrown to the side once again. And, and this could have cost her everything. It, it could have cost her everything. Instead, he gives her everything. Verse 34, he said to her, daughter, 
daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So he sees her as she is, after she's told him the whole story, if she's gone through all the details, and he greets her kindly with, with, with an affectionate gesture, and he calls her daughter and says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. God is moved by her faith. Here's what I want you to know this morning is that God uses desperation to push you into your purpose sometimes. He will use that desperation so that you can go to that next step in your life. And this woman was done. She had had it with suffering. And my prayer for some of you today is that you would have enough of what you have been suffering in for and give up on that life, that you would get desperate today, that you would say enough is enough, and that you would pursue Jesus in a new way. Those of us in the Church of America, we can get so comfortable sometimes. We're okay with things in our life that we shouldn't be okay with. We need to get a little bit more desperate. Sometimes desperation is the key that unlocks breakthrough. Let's look at verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Now you need to understand this from Jairus' perspective, right? This is an interruption for him. He gets to Jesus first. He goes through the crowd. He pushes his way through. He, he's probably grabbing onto Jesus. The scripture doesn't tell us that, but that's how I like the picture. He's holding onto Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, we got to get to my house, getting all the people out the way, right? He's pushing through. All of a sudden, he loses Jesus for a moment. He starts looking all around him, like, where did Jesus go? My girl is dying. Finally finds Jesus, and he sees Jesus talking to this woman. And he finds that this woman is now healed. The thing that he wanted for his daughter, he has to watch someone else get right now. Could you imagine what that must have felt like for him as he's watching this happen? Like, Jesus, hurry up. Like, we got to get through. Stop talking to her. Let's go back to my house for my daughter. For him, this was probably so painful. Do you know what that's like when you're waiting on your breakthrough and it seems like everyone else is getting theirs? When you have to watch everyone else go through that so we skip over that detail but in that moment he's probably hurting so deeply watching this happen and to top that off a friend comes by and says your daughter is dead man he probably felt so broken inside in those moments he probably felt like it was a lost cause the miracle doesn't always happen when and how we want it to. And I'm so grateful that these stories are connected because we see real life here for a moment. We see how it is. You know, we so badly want it to happen on our timeline, exactly how we want it to happen, when we want it to happen. And this woman had waited a long time. Don't forget that. She had suffered for 12 years and she gets her breakthrough. And he wanted his right away. He wanted to go straight to that house. And today, Maybe things aren't happening exactly how you want them to. But that does not mean that God is still not working on your behalf. It does not mean that he doesn't see you because he does. 
He was probably so mad at Jesus in this, these moments. Let's look at this next verse. They said, why bother the teacher any more? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Be very careful of the friends that you let in your life that tell you a situation is over when it's not. People who will tell you that you are done, that you deserve to be stuck because you've messed up too much. People who will tell you your situation is hopeful. Just get with real life. People who are negative and will bring you down. I hope if any of you have someone like that in your life that you hear the words of Jesus just for a moment. And what they're saying is true. Like, like It is a fact that the girl is dead. But when you have Jesus, when you know Jesus, the facts are not final. And maybe you did mess things up pretty bad. Or maybe you are stuck really deep today. I promise you have some faith. And that's the kind of friend that I want to be to people in my life. And everywhere we see so much negativity. We see everyone just so quick. And especially, I feel like the church is jumping on this more than ever. To be so quick to pass judgment on people who have messed up and, and fallen in and gotten in broken things. To say, you know what, it's over. Don't even bother the teacher. You're done. You're thrown to the side. It's a mess. You're stuck. You deserve it. No, no. With Jesus, things are not final yet. Because he has all power and authority. And he tells Jairus, don't you believe their words. Don't you dare buy into it. It's not done yet. You are not stuck forever. I pray that you would hear those words of Jesus over your life. And I pray that you would get passionate and desperate about it again. Verse 37, he says, he did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and all this wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Jairus needs to get some new friends. These people are terrible. They, they, they laugh at Jesus. And maybe they've laughed at you in your life when you said some things, so that things are gonna be different. Maybe you've heard the voice of the enemy laugh at you when you tell him things are gonna be different and you try to make changes in your life. And they will always laugh because they don't know the power and the authority that Jesus has. Man, these friends are the worst. Do you, do you know some people who um, light up a room when they walk out of it? Like, like these, these are these kinds of friends. We need to stop being these kinds of people that pass these judgments so quick. And I love this. I, I love this. Jesus says, y'all got to go. Y'all got to get out of this room where the girl is. The Greek would suggest that he physically starts to move. Jesus has had enough. He gets these people out physically. You have got to go. What I want to tell you guys this morning is there are some things in your life that got to go before you get up. 
There are some things today that you need to get rid of in your life so you can get up. For some of you, it's some people that you got to get out of your life that have been speaking death over you. For some of you, it's some thoughts that you've been believing over and over about yourself that you need to tell them to get on out. And you need to do it forcefully. For some of you, it's different things. And and you know what that thing is. I don't know what it is for you. But you need to tell that thing to get out because I'm about to get up. And that's what Jesus does right here. Because he knows this. Ready? Faith and awareness of God changes atmospheres. And he knew if these people were going to stay crying and wailing, it was going to affect things. And he says, you all have got to go because this girl is about to get up. I would rather speak to a room of 30 people that are desperate and passionate about Jesus than a room of 5,000 people who are apathetic and could care less because in that room with 30 people, miracles will break loose. God's presence will be there. And this goes back to what I said before. We have to be so careful with the way that we show up to church so we're not people who are just around Jesus but people that are truly changed by him, people that are seeing breakthroughs in their life, and it starts with a new level of anticipation and desperation and faith. And all those things come from awareness of his power and authority. A deeper sense of that will move mountains in our life. Remember who your God is. Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him with a word? And so he changes the atmosphere. Verse 41, he says this. He took her by the hand and said, Talith Kahum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. Right, here it is. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. Jesus said, get this girl some pizza right away. She's hungry. Chick-fil-A. It's time to start telling some things to get out of your life today. It's time for you to get up. You've been stuck for too long. Enough is enough. Let's get a deeper sense of awareness of who our God is. I was thinking about this message. I was thinking about a lot of you, and so many of you are stuck in something that you can't let go of today. There is something that happened in your past. There is something that was done to you that you just can't let go of. I want you to know that today is your day to let go. And I just want to share one more verse with you this morning. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 3. And I love this verse. These words are written on my heart. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What's so interesting about this verse is that Paul is writing this from a prison cell. He's about to tell us about freedom when he is in in chains. I'm learning that sometimes God will call you to live something that your feelings and circumstances are completely opposed to. And this is what he goes on to say. But one thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul probably had so much that he was trying to forget, things that he was trying to let go of, the old way that he used to live. And he says, you know what? The one thing that I do is forgetting what is behind. It's time to let go of some of those things that are behind and you, in your past and start moving forward. You can't move forward if you are stuck. It's time to start putting one foot in front of the other because Jesus has called you heavenward and there is a great prize and he does not want you to stay stuck any longer. Leave those things in the past and move forward. Too long have you been stuck in these same patterns and that same sin in that same way. Seek him differently about it. Get rid of the things that need to go. And I am not trying to minimize that pain that you are feeling. Maybe with that memory that you are stuck in or how difficult it is today. I'm just saying I have a greater awareness in, in my life of who Jesus is than all of my pain. And when you have a greater awareness, it doesn't mean it stops hurting. It just means I have my eyes fixed on something greater. And I'm going to keep walking towards that even though it hurts, even though I get tripped up sometimes, even though I get stuck sometimes. I'm going to keep moving forward. I pray for some of you today that this would be the end for some broken things in your life, that you would get out of those patterns with the scripture that we've heard this morning. It's possible. It's possible. And I know some of you are like that woman. You've made up the reasons in your mind on why you shouldn't be healed, maybe because of your shame, maybe because of the guilt that you feel. Like I said before, Jesus is the only one who can make the unclean clean, and he specializes in it. He's really good at it. Go to him today. Find new life like you never have before. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for everyone in this room. Thank you that you can pull us out of any pit that we are stuck in, any pattern that we've been in, whether it's 12 years or 24 years, God, whether it's been a week. You are over and above all of these things, Jesus. And I just pray for anyone who has given up, who feels apathetic, Jesus, that you would speak directly to them today, God, that they would know that it's not just a general message that you're trying to grab a hold of their heart today, that you're trying to tell them, get some things out so you can get up and move again. I pray, Jesus, that we as a church would have a greater awareness, God, that we wouldn't just be people that are around you, but people that experience you, God. Jesus, help us to push through all of our reasons and excuses. God, don't let us get so comfortable that we don't experience you more. We love you and we need you, Jesus. We are lost apart from you. Thank you, God that even when things don't happen on our timeline or the way we want them to, that you're still working, that you're still moving. It may not happen the way we want it to, but that doesn't mean there's a different miracle that's waiting for us, a different breakthrough that's coming for us. I pray, God, that no one would give up. I pray this church would walk in freedom today, God, that you would call your children forward like never before that we would forget what is behind and strain towards the prize which Christ Jesus has called us heavenward. More awareness of your authority and your power.